Jim. Hey, Ralph, how you doing? I'm doing well today. Okay. Well, I don't know if we're blasting our people or not. <laughs> I'm seeing some pretty high uh, uh, amplitude waves there, so I'm going to back off a little, little tiny bit. Okay, we could do that. Well, maybe I'll back off the, uh, the this thing, whatever this is called. Okay, now say something. Well, Jim, you know, uh, I was just thinking that when you and I open our show every week, usually one or the other of us says hi to the other guy, and then we say, how are we doing? And we always seem to be doing well. Uh, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? It is a good thing. But that leads me to think about a, uh, a study that was done recently after the uh, effects of COVID uh, were known and uh, lockdowns began all across the globe. And this was uh, not actually a, a research study per se. It was what they call meta-research. Okay, so they're looking at a number of different data points and trying to make sense of yeah. those yeah. data points, whatever, whatever the data points might be. Okay. And in this case, what they did was gather up information from people who had called in to helplines. Now, in our community, one of the helplines is called Listening Ear. Aha, uh -huh, okay. And people can call in and get somebody to listen to them while they express whatever they have as an issue. Okay, all right. So this was a worldwide study, as I say, and the top three that came out that people were concerned with globally okay let me let me guess okay let me try and they probably they might be uh well maybe someone in their circle of friends is uh, well, abusing substances that could be it maybe they're worried about themselves abusing substances could be it maybe they're you know we know that cancer is and and uh, physical illness you know is a big concern so that that could be it Go ahead, tell me I'm right on all counts. Well, you're right, um, but that was not the big three. It wasn't. Hmm. No, it came out that all of those concerns were in the list, but okay. they were all down uh, below number five. Wow. So, what was the big three? Number one was people who were fearful of their health and were worried about contracting covid and either dying or having to go into the hospital being really ill. Okay. Number two was loneliness. 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 People were saying, I have lost uh, all contact with people. I, I can't get out of my house and walk down the street and say hi to uh, the little uh, shop girl who normally stands out in front of her uh, uh, patisserie waiting for people to come in, etc., uh, etc. Et okay. And number three was uh, people who felt disconnected from their lives because they were not working in the normal way. Huh. It's kind of interesting, Ralph. I would guess that if we're talking about a crisis hotline, that people would have um, some psychological concerns. But, uh, and at the listening ear, we could uh, we should probably talk to somebody from that organization to see what the concerns are. But it really strikes me that those concerns are psychological 
concerns. Yeah, they're, they're I not... mean, uh, you know, when you say, I, I'm worried about uh, my significant other who I think is abusing some drug, uh, drinking too much, uh, using a controlled substance, etc., etc., uh, that's a psychological concern, but it's brought on by something which is in the direct physical world. Yeah, right. When you're lonely, I mean, it's pretty hard to point to a causation and say, I'm lonely because, mm -hmm. uh, except that people who are lonely because often feel cut off and isolated, which is what a lot of people have felt worldwide in this crisis year and a half. You know, Ralph, um, we're here at a university, on a university campus, but research has uh, several times pinpointed uh, isolation and loneliness among the student body. And the uh, uh, statistics that I recall, at least, uh, are up to about, uh, oh, 75% of respondents uh, indicate that they feel isolated and lonely. And this is prior to COVID-19. And you, when Why you take would a, that be, Jim? I don't know. I mean, you take a look at a college campus and you've got hundreds of thousands of people. Well, not hundreds of thousands, there's thousands of people. Um, but is it possible that uh, uh, some of this goes back to um, what we were talking about last week, and that is not having really significant friendships rather having you know more superficial friendships. And then something we touched on last week also was that uh, uh, social media, instead of um, uh, what uh, integrating people uh, to large groups, actually kind of, kind of uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, I think it, uh, it's interesting to me, Jim, because social media does two things, it makes us feel connected and it makes us feel lonely at the same time. Yeah, very, very good. That's very articulate of you. And so we've talked in the past about schools of psychology or, or uh, branches of psychology. Do you think that uh, positive psychology that uh, you've been studying is going to be helpful for people who are experiencing fear or isolation or loneliness? I think it will, Jim, and, and part of the reason that I say that is most people who become aware of positive psychology, uh, not as the sort of flip newspaper article, but uh, the, uh, the more in-depth study, uh, become, as they study it, more optimistic. And the reason for that is that People come to realize that being a pessimist is, in fact, a significant stressor. Yeah, yeah. Seeing the uh, the glass is half empty. Um, hey, it, you know it, if, you're gonna. It's gonna be empty pretty soon if you, uh, you know, keep on keeping on, right? Yeah, and if you uh, if you are always looking for the worst case. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chances are pretty good that you're going to develop some kind of anxiety disorder. Yeah. You know, if, if you see the, uh, the end of the tunnel, the light, and you say, well, it's the light of the oncoming train that's going to mow me down, uh, that's one 
mental set, but if you see it as it's the gate to freedom, once I get out of this tunnel, I'll be in the light, um, then you say, okay, in the present moment, I have something to be happy about. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the interesting things, Jim, um, let me ask you a question. We're, we're both old dudes now, and we're coming up to what is statistically uh, a significant moment. <clears throat> you mean death? Well, the average <laughs> life expectancy for a North American male now uh, is about 79 years, and the average life expectancy for a North American female is 80 years. Okay. So, obviously, if it's an average, some people live beyond that. Right. Well, I, I have very good genetics in my family, both mother and father, grandmother, you know, so I'm, I'm looking at, uh, you know, 100-plus. Well, I would uh, like to say that I'm looking at 100-plus, but genetically, I know that uh, my dad lived to be 93, uh, my uh, mother died at 62 of cancer, Ooh. and, you know, genetically, um, she might have lived a lot longer. Her grandmother certainly did. Uh, but here's the thing. Optimists, on average, live 11% longer than pessimists. Hmm. So the average, <clears throat> let's, let's play with this one a little bit. So the average, is, let's say it's 80, okay? And so 11% of 80 is about... Nine years. About eight years, nine years. So the optimist can expect maybe 89 years. 90 the, years. 90 years. The pessimist is going to be... Toes up at 70? Could be. Hmm. Or even if the pessimist makes it to 80, the chances are pretty good that they will not make it beyond 83 or 4. Well, good reason to be <laughs> have an optimistic explanatory style, even in the face of that pessimistic data that you just uh, <laughs> Well, cited. you know, here's the thing then, Jim. If you're... If you're an optimist, if you see the glass as half full, uh, if you expect good things to happen, then the chances are two things. One, you will live longer, and two, you will live longer because your general health, both physical and mental, is better. Yeah, it makes, makes a lot of sense. And the thing that's kind of interesting too, Ralph, is that if the pessimist uh, doesn't go toes up, they're still living a miserable life. Yeah. Um, you know, if... Uh, for, for example, um, the other day uh, I was at home. My wife had to go out and do some errands. Uh, and she told me what she was going to do. Man, said probably I'll be two hours. Uh, well, four and a half hours later, she came home. 
Well, I said, you know, oh, that took you a long time. She said, yeah, well, I ended up going to here and there and doing more than I thought and so on and so forth. Now, if I had been uh, a pessimist... Uh, you'd have worried. I could have been sitting at home saying, was she in an accident? Did she hit, you know, get hit by a bus? Uh, did she get involved in a, a robbery of the store she was in? Uh, is she shot and lying in a pool of blood? Uh, is she having an affair or she's running around with another man? Uh, oh dear. And by the time she came home, I could have worried myself into a cold sweat. Lions and tigers and bears, oh, oh my. my. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the, the optimist is going to sit there and say, oh, well, obviously she's, you know, run into a friend and decided to have lunch or she's doing more than she expected to do or something took longer than, uh, than you know, normally it takes. Something like that, where the pessimist is going to be saying, hey, what, you know, what's going on here? Something has gone wrong. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about positive psychology in the past, and it's something different than the pop psychology that you see in the newspaper. You know, it does have some uh, validity to it. Uh, it's got some research uh, behind it. And we'll put up under Learn More the uh, TED Talk by Martin Seligman, where he uh, kind of outlines his pessimistic career as a very prominent clinical psychologist and then uh, talks about what happened uh, after a uh, life-changing moment uh, when he decided to, to give up his study of depression and, and negativity and focus on the positive. So we'll put that, uh, we'll put that up. And but, you will be interested, listeners, to know that the event that caused that was something that was said by his five-year-old daughter. Yeah. She, she said something to the effect of, if I can give up eating candy, yeah, maybe you can give up being grumpy. Something to that effect. Something to that effect, yeah. yeah. Well, that really hit him, you know, that, that out of the mouths of babes. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, does that mean that if you are going to be an optimist, you have to walk around with a fixed smile and never be sad and never be upset and never be down? You mean if uh, walk around like a phony all the time? Yeah, you know, yeah. I, are you going to be a Stepford wife and, uh, you know, uh, can I get you some cashews with your drink, dear, and <laughs> so on and so forth? No, it doesn't mean that at all. No, it um, means you're going to be authentic for, for one thing, and you're going to know what your positives and your negatives are, and you're going to try and... Uh, Maximize the positives, but uh, realize that the negatives are going to, you know, be the be the, the the devil that's going to haunt you. The devil, you know. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you said, Jim, that interests me is the idea of being authentic, your authentic self. Uh huh. And I'm going to relate that to teaching, um, in this sense that uh, there are a lot of teachers who start out. Uh, and they they develop very quickly a teaching persona. So when I'm in the classroom, I'm like this. The, the old joke, I never let them see you smile until you've gone through the first marking period or something. Yeah, okay. something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, all, uh, all frowns before Christmas and all hugs after Christmas. Okay. Uh, 
And the thing is that, you know, you develop that as a persona to keep control of those 30 middle school students that you have in front of you, or 40 maybe in today's world. And, you know, there are a lot of people who put in their time as a teacher, uh, go into retirement, and then discover that the face that they developed for being a teacher no longer can be taken off. Aha, uh -huh, right. So it's no longer one that you put on at 9 o'clock in the morning going into your classroom. It's one that's there all the time now. Sure. And the thing with that, Jim, it doesn't matter whether it's teaching, which you and I know, or it's some other career. Uh, Being a foreman, perhaps, or a, a supervisor of some kind. Yeah, people allow themselves or deliberately design so that they are hammered into a form and shape hole and then they can't get out of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things, Jim, that fortunately, I think both for you and I, was we discovered that we were more comfortable teaching from our authentic selves. Uh, so, you know, a student would ask me something and chances were that at some of the time, uh, yeah, I don't know, 20, 30 percent, I'd look at them and say, damned if I know. Mm -hmm. uh, I can find out, but, you know, um, I don't know that uh, James Joyce had this in mind when he wrote that passage. Explain to me why you think so. Mm -hmm. And that that's authentic. I genuinely know why the student is saying that. Good. Yeah, excellent point. Um, and it's kind of interesting, too, that uh, parents get into that trap of having to, quotes know everything that their kids ask them about. And uh, it, they don't have to know everything. And in fact, there's some things that kids know that uh, are probably uh, impenetrable to, to many adults. Uh, uh, my four-year-old grandson the other day was showing me cards, Pokemon cards. And I was trying to pronounce the names of these little critters on the Pokemon cards. Okay. And uh, uh, so I was driving him home he got out of the car, went and talked to his dad, said, Grandpa cannot pronounce the names of the characters on the Pokemon cards. <laughs> and he was right. Okay. <laughs> Nor could I you know, uh, describe the, the various characteristics of it, these little critters either. So there's a four-year-old that, you know, certainly... Knows stuff that you don't. And knows stuff that I don't. And, you know... And, and never will. <laughs> yeah. Well, but the thing is about that, Jim, is that that's okay. Yeah. You know, and a pessimist would say, oh, I should have known that. I should have been able to help him with that. Mm -hmm. uh, an optimist would say, gee, there's a whole area of knowledge that I don't know. And you know what? I'm not going to bother to learn because something suitable for a four-year-old, not for a 40-year-old. Right, right. Okay, so we were talking about um, this survey, um, or meta-study. Meta so the, the top three were fear of getting sick, um, second one was loneliness, and then the third was sort of being disconnected. Yeah. Okay, so positive psychology would help 
I think, with, with all of those. And the thing that's kind of interesting, Ralph, is that you have sitting on your lap a, uh, a magazine. And yeah, it's, uh, it's published by the uh, publishers of Real Simple, which is, uh, as Jim pointed out to me, a magazine that usually focuses on child rearing and home decoration, things like that. But, but they have a whole issue here on positivity and positive psychology. That's pretty interesting. And, yeah. it's an, and it's a magazine that is, what, pretty much aimed toward women, right? Yeah. Okay. And that is something that I've seen, and Sheila has seen it as well, and that is increased anxiety uh, over safety concerns, concerns about the economy, concerns about, you know, the health of somebody else, uh, concerns about COVID. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, is, a, is a good example of that, um, I was just talking with my wife a couple of nights ago, and she said, you know, um, you can get sick. And I looked at her and kind of, what, who? And she said, well, you, you can get sick with the, the flu or something, you know, uh, some minor thing, but you can't get really ill and die. Yeah. And I said, okay, why can't I get really ill and die? <laughs> she said, well, because I need you. Um, I need you to keep me together. I need you as my partner and so on. But... Um, your income is what keeps us going. And I said, oh, you only love me for my financial incentive. Now, I was joking about that, and I know that that is really the least reason why she loves me. But think about a pessimist who might have heard that as cheapers. The only thing she loves is my income. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. So, you know... Um, she put a pretty big wedge in the relationship. Um, I just went to the computer and found that uh, you can get uh, this magazine, Real Simple, for uh, a subscription for one year for 10 bucks. And this one, mag this one issue is worth $10. That's yeah. I looked, looked through it. So I'll put that up. Yeah, under learn more so people can can go there if they are interested they can see what the uh, what the, the magazine typically has and uh, I don't see this particular issue up there as a standalone but it probably is uh, also yeah so what 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 hits you for in this particular uh, positivity issue well one of the things we talked about loneliness um, the uh, optimistic college students had a greater increase in perceived social support over the course of the first semester than less optimistic students. Okay. And optimistic men over 70 were less lonely than their pessimistic peers. In spite of the fact that their social groups had all, become, all begun to shrink, due to retirement and the death of friends. Hmm. Now, an example of that comes from my parents. Uh, when my parents, well, when my dad retired, uh, my parents started going to Florida for the winter. Okay. And my, my parents too. 
And they, my parents always found the same condominium and they pre-leased it after the first year for the next year for X times. Ditto with my parents, yeah, okay. And they ended up with a whole hang of a lot of friends down there. And my dad was involved in shuffleboard tournaments and bridge tournaments. And my mother had uh, good friends that she did things with. And they reached a point where they had roughly the attrition of a combat regiment in Korea or Vietnam. Uh, you know, t what do you mean by that? Well, people were not only aging, which all of us have to do, but they were dying off. Uh-huh, okay. So my dad would come back from Florida and he would say, so-and-so and his wife didn't come down because she died or he died, and somebody else died while we were in Florida. And I looked at it and I thought, okay, out of their group of arbitrarily, let's say, a hundred friends. Uh, five of them died this year. Okay. Ten of them died this year. And, you know, you don't get that in a kind of attrition if you're in a larger group. Okay. You know. Gotcha. So you've got a whole community of a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the chances are good that you know a wider circle of acquaintances so you're not going to be losing them quite that fast. Okay, yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. Okay, so I, I now get the uh, the uh, analogy of uh, a platoon or a, a what you, you a say? regiment. A regiment, yeah. or yeah, okay, all right. So the other thing then that we can look at is, you know, you say to yourself, well, you know, I I was with so and so and so and so couples yesterday and one of the guys was having a really bad day and he kind of snarled at his wife and you know optimists see the negatives in social relationships so they would see that but they focus on the strengths of their friends and loved ones and find their relationships more satisfying and more nourishing. So in other words, Jim, if, if I'm an optimist and I have to call on you for something, uh, hey, Jim, can you come and help me? Uh, I've got a couple of boards to cut up or I've got a, a sauna to shingle or something. Uh, sure. The yeah. answer is going to be sure. Yeah. Uh, so for optimists, they look for the more positive, the more nourishing responses. Mm -hmm. The pessimist might say, oh, there's no point in calling Jim because he's not going to come anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So how, as you look at the, say, the table of contents in the magazine, what uh -huh. kinds of things are they addressing as, as concerns for people? Well, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, Jim, because uh, they have um, make, making your own luck. Okay. And what's this one over on page 62? I see a, a smiley face here. 
62 is having a happy frame of mind. Uh-huh, okay. And interestingly, Jim, from our background, um, we have podcasts and TED Talks for positivity in your daily life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, a lot of our um, listeners may not listen to TED Talks, but if if you have not, I recommend that you do. Yeah, definitely. And uh, when you go into TED Talks, uh, they have a search mechanism there, and put into it uh, positive living. Okay. And I think you'll bring up a number of TED Talks that will give other viewpoints than ours on the importance of being positive. Now, it's kind of interesting, Ralph. You and I have had some, uh, uh, what would we say, uh, negative experiences uh, coming from TED, but uh, we um, um, support them entirely, and we, you know, we, yeah. we advocate for <clears throat> them. And the, uh, I hasten to tell our listeners that uh, the negative experiences involved uh, us doing something which TED Talks itself wanted to do, and just basically hip-checked us into the nickel seats and said, uh, we're going to take this over, kids. <laughs> yeah, okay. Enough said. Okay, so um, we're, we're running down here with, uh, with our talk today, uh, but uh, I don't think we've really even scratched some of the surfaces that we should be looking at in terms of combating fear combating isolation, combating detachment. So shall we take this up again uh, next week? We can do that. And one of the things that we might want to start talking about next week is the fact that uh, for many people who are lonely and isolated... Um, I know what you're going to say. The holiday seasons are upon us. Well, actually what I was going to say is one of the, one of the recommended ways of getting some interaction in your life is to uh, acquire a pet. Ha ha, okay. And, uh, well, you could say that, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to acquire a pet, but, but the, uh, the, the apartment that I'm living in uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't, allow uh, doesn't allow pets. But uh, remember robo-pets? Robo robo-pets, They're yeah. coming back. And the pet rock. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah, I, there was a, an, what was it? I think it was on All Things Considered. Uh, uh, someone was talking about the, uh, uh, no, morning, morning, morning edition on NPR. They were talking about their, their uh, robo-pet. There's uh, a different name for it. So, okay, acquiring a pet. So we, that could be in the, uh, in the podcast yeah, and, as well. Yeah, uh, and, you know, uh, quickly just to finish up, let me say that here in our community, we have a little uh, storefront which uh, takes from the shelter uh, cats which can be adopted. Yeah, the Cat Karma Cafe. Yeah, and you can go in and you put down $10. 10 bucks, okay. And you get a coffee or a soda. Okay. And an hour interacting with the cats. <laughs> you can pet the cats for an hour or just sit there and watch the cats watch or, the cats or, <laughs> sit there or and watch the cats pick, ignore you or pick up a toy and see if you can play with the cats and so on and so forth now the thing about that is 
you know, um, we're at a point in, in life where uh, taking somebody to the movies is now a $50 trick. Yeah, right. So for the price of a movie with another person, uh, you can uh, have five sessions with a pet. Okay. Even a cat that's going to ignore you. Even a cat that's going to ignore you, yes. We should, we should bring in the lady from uh, the uh, Cat Karma Cafe, because I've talked to her, and she's got some wonderful stories about how the, uh, the kitty cats uh, actually do some pretty good uh, therapy. Yeah, and, uh, you know, dogs, for some people, may be even better, but... The thing is that uh, you've got you've got then an outlet. Yeah. And the last thing, uh, just for people to to mull about over the next week, is uh, optimists believe that their own behavior matters. Yeah. So think about that this week. What what do you uh, what do you think about uh, my behavior matters to my outcomes. So on that note, uh, it is time to say goodbye and keep, keep your stick, stick on the ice because we're all in this together. together.